Welcome to Heavy Strategy, the podcast where the questions are probably more interesting than the answers. It's a show where Jonah and I go backwards and forwards on a topic uh, mainly focused around IT and technology strategy and how to assist you with thinking about approaching your organization as an IT. And that's why it's called Heavy Strategy, part of the Packet Pushes Network. And the topic today is how do we take an approach on service-oriented networking? How do we make technology? We'll talk about networking probably specifically because you need to narrow in, but I think the whole discussion will probably end up being generalizable to any part of technology. In fact, probably we'll end up talking about the whole stack, I suspect. Networking does not live alone. So I guess the first thing to start off with is to sort of set a baseline around where we are and say, Jonah, tell me, what is a service-oriented approach to networking? How can we take a service-oriented approach to technology? Let me take a step back and disagree with you because that's what we do here. But uh, we agreed on a previous podcast that essentially Infrastructure generally does not lend itself to either a project or a product-oriented approach. Some other technologies might. Rolling out an application might very well be a project. Uh, Delivering an application might very well be a product. Hmm. But infrastructure specifically really lends itself more to a service-oriented approach. So kind of narrowing down all of technology to infrastructure. And then, as you say, using networking as as an example, because we're both network geeks, the basic notion of service-oriented networking or service-oriented infrastructure services is is this idea that it just works. So you will define an SLA with your customer who is, you know, usually a business technology user, not necessarily the end user, mm. you know, maybe it's the applications person and you say, well, here's here's what I agree to deliver to you and here's my service level agreement around it. And I started thinking about all the types of services that you run into in your daily life. Yeah. Like sidewalk is a service. You step outside. It's Mm. there. It doesn't have potholes. You don't trip. It doesn't. Somebody comes along and smooths it out, patches the holes, puts them where they need to be, and you just don't think about it. Or electricity is a service. You plug it in and turn it on, and there's no question as to what's coming. And in fact, I'm using this, it sounds like a joke, but if you think about it, you know, there's been this big thing in the United States where all of a sudden you can get your electricity from lots of different providers. There's the last mile provider, which is you're still stuck with. Yeah. But the actual source of the electricity, supposedly, you can choose. And every time I get these these letters in in the mail, I'm like, why do I care? I don't care. You know, it really doesn't matter. It's a behind the scenes thing. Yeah. And I think that's the big challenge when you start defining infrastructure as a service or network as a service. The users just want it to work. But the challenge is defining what the it is and what the work is. Because if you think about it, if you're somebody in the business, what you want is a report that tells you something meaningful. But to get a report, you have to create the report. So do you create the report in Excel? Um, well, I don't know that anybody wants a report. I, I, honestly, yeah. nobody wants a report about the network. They want yeah. the network. Well, they want to, they want to get want some data, look at it and go, this That's means it. we've exceeded sales or the profit margins down or whatever, right? That's what they generally want. Well, wait, no, yeah. if I'm an applications owner, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know, hey, uh, you know, the network worked. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Let me go do my thing, whatever it is I'm doing. But you know, at the also, business level, I don't even care. All right. I want to split some hairs here because you said sidewalks okay, as a service, right? So the great thing mm-hmm. about sidewalks is that the sidewalk is beneath your feet, but nobody says thank you to the sidewalk and the sidewalk doesn't Correct. require it, right? But when you Correct. get electricity, you do 
say thank you to the electricity company, or at least conceptually, you don't say I'm you grateful. Do? That Gre- Greg, do you really go out and we, say I thank you? I think people have a different conception of sidewalks as a service and electricity as a service. One is just there on the ground and you never say thank you for the sidewalks. It's very unusual to for people to even perceive them as being there. But there's difference for the electricity because you know there's there's some sort of perceived difference, I think, for the majority of people that the sidewalks don't need to be thanked, but maybe the electricity is something you should be grateful that you get. Possibly. I think it depends where you live. I mean, Mm. realistically, where I live, I'm actually super thankful for the service because trees keep falling on our wires and the, Mm. you know, brave guys go out and and fix things after a storm. Yeah. But I I think sort of more broadly, though, what they have in common is there's not a lot of parameters to worry about. It's like there or not there. Yeah. It has a hole in it or doesn't. It spikes or, you know, or it's even and you're done. And networking, most of the most of the hard work is done behind the scenes. You know, the logistics of getting the the cement trucks out there at the right time of day or whatever uh, is the same thing as the logistics of running energy companies. Yeah. I have clients that do that, and it is quite complicated. But the, the key point is, as a consumer, I don't care. I, I, I don't disagree. I but what I'm trying to do is draw a draw a bow at the concept of there's a difference between what can what users perceive as Excel as a service and as network as a service. That is the network, and and this affects how you approach the solution. To, to my mind, I, what, I see. I don't think there mm, is. Is my point. That's mm, that's actually. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think that's the problem of defining network as a service, mm, because users just assume it works. And I mean, I've had conversations yeah. with clients who are super sophisticated and should know better, and I've had conversations that go, "Hey, you're you're migrating okay. from." You know, from on-prem to cloud, you're rolling out this new application. Have you thought about re-engineering your network? And they kind of go, nah, it works. Let me come at it another way then. You know, when you talk about something super complicated and you go to a client and you say, what you really need here is an MPLS network with this, this, and this. And they just look at you and go like, okay, that's fine. You know what you're doing. I trust you to do it. But if you tried to talk to them about something very, like this is the the theory of bike shedding. If you're building a building and you say the story is, you know, the building's going to be 24 floors high. We're going to use this concrete. We're going to fit it out with this. We're going to put this air conditioning. Everybody around the table will go, absolutely, you're the expert. You know what you do. But then you say to them, we're not 100% sure what color the bike shed should be. And <laughs> you'll have, you know, eight different opinions or, or you know, or how many plants should oh be out the front. Oh, my God, you are so right. The gap here in a service-oriented approach is you've got to be careful when you prepare a service that the opportunities for bike sharing. This is what's happened with, to some extent, to make a controversial push here, is what's happened to COVID. 20, 30 years ago, people would have taken the vaccine and been just like, that's just what you do. And now people are saying, hang on. I know about these things. I can do my own research, which is ridiculous because you can't. You don't have 10 years of education to understand what it's all about. And they're doing false bike shedding. That is, they're saying, oh, I know that this is bad for me because, I don't know, some whatever, whatever the reason might be. And that, I think, is very careful. You have to think about it from this point of view that some things are perceived as sidewalks or the floor under your feet. Nobody says thank you to the floor. The floor doesn't require it. But some services are much more people think they understand. Like, so if you try to say to somebody, I'm going to give you Excel as a service, people have been using Excel for 10 years. They think they know. Well, they, yes, but they, no, I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to let you have this and say, I don't, mm. I, I don't understand the distinction and find it meaningful. Cause yep. the main point is there is no direct user. You know, Excel as a service goes directly to the end user. Of course, that's different. Mm. It's an application as a service. Typically the consumers of the network, sometimes increasingly they are end users now, now that mm. we've got work from anywhere, but largely, there there are other parts of IT that simply want 
the service to be in place so their application can work the way it's supposed to work. And mm -hmm. I don't see a meaningful distinction between electricity and sidewalks here. But I do see a real challenge in defining what the network service is. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there I see the level of granularity that really, really matters. So, you know, when we were bouncing around talking about this topic, I pulled up a, a PowerPoint from about uh, whatever it is, eight years ago from a client. Obviously, I'm not going to name them, but they're very large and very sophisticated. And their definition of network services included core services, which was network time, DNS, DHCP, QoS, WAN optimization, transport, which was the WAN and the internet, network security, which at that time was firewalls, uh, data center network, access networks, voice unif unified communications, and physical infrastructure. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, nobody's going to care about that split. That to me looks like and, uh, an organization that's shipping its silos. So you, the, yes. you know that theory of that DevOps thing is that you always end up shipping the way your internal organization looks. Like exactly. This, you know, this says, yes. you know, I have a core services, I have a transport team, I have a network right. service. So therefore, everybody's doing a service and we're not going to do the hard work of saying what should the service look like and yes. reorganize based on it. So I think that's yeah. probably the first question I would raise, uh, since we're all about unanswered questions instead of unquestioned <laughs> answers. Yeah. The first question I would raise is, if you're interested in doing service-oriented networking, are you taking the approach that we have organizations and each organization is delivering a service? Or are we taking the approach that we try to figure out what services the user needs and we will reorganize accordingly? Mm. I think there are two. that's a very fundamental distinction early on if you're thinking about yeah. moving to this or doing this. Uh, I would also think that there's probably a right answer, but uh, I wouldn't – I would question it, <laughs> question whether it's necessarily right. I, you may I, be – I, I yeah, think the ahead. challenge here is, you know, we talked about the the organization shipping its silo. So you've got a silo of people in access networks, a silo yeah. of, of, of experts in data center networking, another team in network security, another team in WAN transport, right? The thing that I'm looking for when I define services, my thought is what does the customer, what does the user need to experience? And they never experience a silo. They always need to experience a service that comes from multiple silos. Come back to the Excel metaphor. If I'm in Excel, I need to have um, the ability for a desktop to work. I need a, a campus. I need a printer. Probably people still print stuff, believe it or not, in 2022. I need name lookups. I need security updates to my desktop. I need a server. I need a, you know, all well, that stuff. So yes, the service no. is, you know, defining I that service is the unanswerable I, and ever off, never, ever answered question. How do you say? I, that I would absolutely agree with. Mm. In fact, I just want to, you know, put an underscore on that and an exclamation point that defining the service is the hardest thing to do because it depends on your users, what they consider as a service. And, you know, we can't give you the answer that says this is what a service should look like. But I want to circle back. Mm. I, I would hate, I hate using Excel as a service because that was actually Citrix's core business model back in 1980-something hmm. or 90-something when it first came out. We've sort of moved beyond it. You know, if you keep using the electricity metaphor, at some level you're saying, look, I don't actually care about electricity. I don't. I always care about that service in conjunction with something else. So I need my lights to work. I need my vacuum yes. cleaner to work. Mm. I need my dishwasher to work or whatever your appliances are that you care about. Mm. And that's the challenge with a network is nobody ever just buys a network or wants a network. They just say, oh, I need yes. to be able to run my applications remotely and something, need, you know, you need to be in there. So when you go down that train, you start realizing it's 
the, what the service needs to needs to look like depends on who the user is, what the user wants, and as you were sort of alluding to, what all the other pieces are that aren't yeah. part of your service. So how do you integrate into yeah, this, to you me, know, all you know, those other pieces? In that definition, it's always possible to put in the, you know your key infrastructure service it should have an electrical team. Exactly. Like these guys said, there's a physical facilities cabling team, right? Well, maybe that's the case in your, for example, if it's an IoT service, yeah, that really matters. So if you're going to put services together like this, you've got to get your electricity company in to get an SLA from them, you know, or we don't do that, right? There's a a practical limit here. And this is where the deficiency of the silo model, I'm sympathetic to the silo model of services because it does fairly easily work. You say, this group of people are responsible for that activity. We'll build some SLA around it. And then I can say, this is a service with an SLA against right. it. And and I'm sympathetic to teams because in years gone by, each of those disciplines was a special skill set. You know, the technology was poor. The operating them was arcane. You each one required separate incantations at the keyboard with magic hand waving and you know hours. <laughs> the high of, priests of network of networking or yeah, technology. That's right. you know, yes, I remember. Running DNS once upon a time was enormously complicated. It was all about editing the the files, right, manually mm-hmm. with ultimate precision. And then Microsoft came along and put it in a GUI in DN- in uh, Windows Server, right? And changed right. the whole game for most of us. We suddenly realized that the idea of editing text files wasn't where you you know software defined DNS was a true revolution. A lot of companies just used right. it because it was just anything else was hard. You know that's fine, but the thing is that I think for any something as a service that you're going to offer, you need to understand that you're going to be stitching multiple silos together, or you're going to be across a, silos. Absolutely. And if yeah. I could, you know, if this were an article, I would take that as a pull quote because that is incredibly <laughs> yeah. important for people to understand. And as you talk about silos, I'm still chuckling because one of my favorite mm. clients. We did a, an assessment in their organization, and as delicately as I could, I kind of said to them, guys, I really don't think your unified communication should have a Microsoft team and a Cisco team. Mm. That is the wrong way to go about it. You have yep. to have somebody who is uh, vendor independent and mm. able to make the best decisions about the right vendor. Because that brings me to the next thing, mm. which is the problem with silos is that it slows down innovation because your Microsoft people will do whatever Microsoft does, but you've pegged your innovation to the level of Microsoft. And you can't and break free from the it. Difference, yeah. Mm. yeah, the difference between network as a service and electricity as a service is quite simply that things change in networking and you need to be constantly revisiting what you're doing to see if you can improve the services. Your team should be constantly looking at how are the user's requirements changing, how are the application's requirements changing, and how is the technology changing so we can deliver it in a brand new fashion. Just to give a yeah. a very basic example, I still have a lot of clients that are dealing with how do I do VPNs in the world of work from anywhere? And the answer is you don't. Stop, mm. please. Mm-hmm. C- cut it out. Use zero trust network access. There's a whole slew of products that have been tried and tested mm-hmm. and give you absolutely uniform access to all of the applications, regardless of whether they're at home, at work, at a coffee shop, yes. which is exactly what you want. So just drop the concept of a VPN, please. Yeah. That's going to take a little while because people are just, you know, their little heads are exploding. Well, VPNs, well, inherently that VPNs were very, very complex and very difficult. Right. And so people looking at new solutions, which are much easier to use, they're software operated. Yeah. Exactly. often managed from the cloud. You don't even need to deploy, you know. And even now, we're actually seeing SD-WAN slash SASE slash SSE now include the remote access. 
So right. Well, SASE I still have issues with because it yeah, well, it artificially embeds the carrier network into your architecture, which is unnecessary. Yeah, but no, you should always be carrier why, That's why when it's yeah. yeah, when it's when it's well, SASE versus zero trust network access, my money's on zero trust network access. Yeah. But yes, but the this, main but the zero trust network access is defined. now becoming part of the SD WAN type exactly. environment, right? So you can and say that yeah. whether a user's in a branch or connecting over the public WAN, the internet, it doesn't matter anymore. And that, exactly. to me, is a focus on the service. And, and this is why, ultimately, just to, to jig left for a little bit, this is why <laughs> campus networks are going to go away. It's because yes, if you can be agreed. connected at home on the same way as it is if you're connected to the WAN, at the end of the day, campus networks will become just a public access and your zero trust just means you happen to be – it doesn't make sense to have a different set of physical access just because you happen to be inside four walls. That's where we were 20 years ago. That's not where we are in 10 years time. And and just to and just to throw a further monkey wrench into that thinking, for some for some companies, not all, but mm. some, it makes perfect sense to say, you know what? I actually don't care about any of this and I'm going to have the carrier provide a 5G network that goes everywhere, private 5G for my mm. campus, public 5G for everywhere else. Carrier manages it, everything's wireless. I don't have any physical infrastructure anywhere except for the, you know, wireless components. I'm done here. I yes. don't need to think about this artificial distinction between yeah. land, when, man, blah, 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 blah. That's a blah, long blah. way away because there's no fight. No, it, it's actually not. It's actually up and running in Australia. But oh, yes, yeah, no, I'm is. not saying it's not. But until we start seeing but I wouldn't see. mobile um, chipsets inside of laptops, it's a long way away. But within the next five years for those who want to do it. Yeah. And in fact, it's possible to do even with attachments, dongles today with yes. laptops. So it's not that hard. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. You shouldn't have but, to have a dongle or a separate battery or a, yeah, it should be integrated but, in the laptop. Yeah. But see what we've just said here. Mm. If your network services are defined, well, we have LAN services and MAN services and WAN services, oopsie, when those things all start converging, those definitions are going to be meaningless. So yeah. you're, you're going to need to constantly revisit the question, who is the user and what do they need? Mm. And what are the ancillary services that need to be integrated into or at least that we need to be compliant with? Yeah. Um, so that we can deliver that that experience. And mm. that gets to sort of the whole question of, you know, is there a once and done model that says, oh, you know, well, let's architect the service, engineer the service, and then hand it over to ops to do it. And that's where I think, Greg, both you and I agree mm. very, very strongly that that model is a terrible model, which is why we say a project model for infrastructure is a terrible model because infrastructure so much more than anything else requires constant revising, upgrading, yep. changing as the technology changes. Because if you're just rolling out an app, mm. your innovation at that point is pegged to the app, you know, the app provider. So I'm rolling out Salesforce. Arguably, when you're done, if you're, you're done. rolling out Salesforce or Oracle or one of those, right. they're it's there done. for 20 now, years. Once you've been suckered into those platforms, you are locked right. in for 20 years. But I guess the but, well, let me let me finish on that mm. before you go because mm. I think it's important. What happens then is you've just handed off to Oracle or Salesforce any upgrades come from them. Yeah, so yeah. all your your challenge at that point for maintenance is fairly simple. Decide which upgrades you want to pay for and which ones you don't. End of story. Infrastructure is not like that. Now, mm -hmm. back over to you, Greg. Okay. So one thing that I was thinking is about how do you look around to be inspired? Where would you search for somebody who's successfully instituting this type of uh, cross-silo uh, services? And to my mind, this is where having some cloud public cloud skills or knowledge or insights into how that's working. For example, when you sign on to AWS or Azure or Google, you get charged 
some phenomenal rate, like nine cents a gigabyte, nine cents a gigabit that crosses their internet connection. They're not charging you for the bandwidth and the router and the maintenance on the router, you know, like trying to slice that together. They just bundle all that together. So one of the things about a service that I think I learned from looking into clouds is that they take a bunch of networking services, bundle it up. It stretches right across a whole set, like the internet access, the DNS, the internal network, the data center network, and all that pricing is bundled down into one conceptually understandable net, you know, metric. That is, my VPC goes out to the internet. I collect all my money for the networking at that key point that most customers use. Now, that is a way to go and look at how do you charge back a network? Is that Something well, it's not even just chargeback. Mm. It gets to the fundamental question of service definition. And I love that answer because it's so unexpected. I know you've mentioned it a couple times in mm. previous shows, but the, the thing is, if you want to know how to structure a service, how to how to put together a service, number one, look at what the cloud providers do. Mm. Number two, look at what the managed service providers do. There's tons of them and more every minute. Yeah. And you can just call them all up and their vendors will be happy to come out to your site and explain how they can do services better than you can. You don't have to even consider handing over the service to them, although that might be an option after you listen to their pitch. But <laughs> at least you can look at how they're bundling things together, what their service definition looks like. And that's mm. actually key because then you can sort of take this together put it down on paper in some form or paper, virtual pixels, and say, what do I like? What do I not like? What would yeah. work here in my environment? What wouldn't work? And then come away with a service definition that you can at least start to start to think about. A metaphor that I sometimes I've used in a couple of consulting engagements was when you buy, say, a, a, a router from a vendor, they don't charge you for the power supply, the motherboard, the memory, the CPU, right. the ASICs. They bundle all that into one price. And then they add the maintenance contract on top because that's them shipping their silo again. One way to look at it is, are you actually buying a router, not as a service, but you don't pay for each piece inside the router. You pay for parts of that router. Like you, it comes as a bundle. And so the way that well, I often pitch it is that you need to bundle this together in some way so that it becomes a service. The way that you bill it doesn't necessarily reflect all of the components. Does that make sense? So you yes, don't absolutely. You want you want a layer of abstraction that makes sense mm. that changes slowly as the users change, but is allows you to sort of independently put the pieces together behind the scenes. Uh, but the, there's there's two points I want to make to that. The idea is the user should not know or care what your technology is, other than you know the CIO needs to know because he or she is signing off on the bills. What, who, what whether you're using internet or MPLS or SD WAN, but you should be able to mix and match behind the scenes in a way that just delivers for the user without any, you know, without any question. Yeah. Yeah. Other piece that I want to highlight, though, is when you mentioned, and then there's the maintenance contract, you really have to think about the operational cost of a network as differently than most people do. We have a, we have a project we're working on at the moment where it's, a, it's enormously complex. It's got a lot of moving pieces, but it boils down to the fact that the, the funder of the infrastructure seems to think that giving a very large sum to gen, uh, of capital to generate, to, to build out the hardware is the mm. end of what it takes to yeah. operate a network. Yeah. And we're sitting here going, no, the operational costs will dwarf the cost of the hardware. So you have to reallocate that yeah. and you know I've maybe give us just 10 that. or 20% as hardware, and the other 80% should well, be on. That whole thinking, that actually goes back to factories in the 60s and 70s yes. where you bought a machine and then it sat there and right. worked for you for 30 years making right. wing wongs or whatever, and or you'd hire a team of people, define a process, and those people would do that process 
like an accounting, right. you know, like like robots, right? Right. And the world's changed. Speaking of the world changing and robots, I mean, here's a fun exercise. We talked about service definition, and essentially what you want to do is go out and look at who at the people who are already defining services and see what you like and don't like. Hmm. Hey, why not use chat GPT and say, hey, define me a networking service. Go look at these guys <laughs> and come back and tell me what you see. Okay, chat GPT is actually, I like to describe it as your, you know, drunk, bombastic son-in-law spouting his opinion. Yeah. It sort of looks like an a viable opinion on the surface, but then when you pick at it, it doesn't make any sense. Even when you ask it to go write code, it does kind of the same level of work. Yeah. But the 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 point is, you know, as this technology is evolving, that's going to become that's going to become a credible way for you to do your service and service definition analysis. So instead yeah. of having, you know, a team of five guys who have to go check what Amazon's doing today, hmm. you can be using AI to do that. There's a use for for those AI tools like the Chat GPT, like which are generative <laughs> AI, mostly because you have to assume that whatever it says is wrong. Until proven otherwise, exactly. right? Exactly. And but at least it comes back with, you know, it's it comes back with the components you need to think about. It can start it challenging you, you to think. That's And that's where it can right. be valuable because it can use something right. and show you this is a way to approach this. And you can look at that. But you've got to be a, a smart enough or skilled enough or experienced enough or cynical enough. And this is where I think we're going to see the downfall of AI again. Let's just jig left out into the rabbit hole there. Yeah, right. There's too many people doing stuff on AI and going, oh, this is great. Job done. Yeah. Of course, the assumption you must have here is that it's wrong. Because Well, exactly. Exactly. It, it will, I mean, just because don't it's assume a computer that, doesn't it's, mean it's, it's right. It's going to kill yeah. you, right? It's going to it's going to yeah. catch you out. Yeah. Well, and in fact, you know, people ask me what I think about AI and is it going to is it going to take people's jobs? And my answer is always yes, but no. Mm. AI is going to show you exactly how much of your job is rote stupid work because mm. if there's a part of your job that simply involves going out and interviewing every single vendor to figure out what you want to do next, you know what? AI can do that really really well. I've go got a good I've got a good story go here from somebody. Oh, go uh, go for it. <laughs> he did, wasn't enjoying his job. He felt like a lot of the work that he was doing was quite boring. And he, he, write, he writes here, he says, to figure out what management thinks I do, I just stopped doing anything I was not receiving any feedback on. The things that people actually came back and asked me for are now what I consider the core of my job. Now I have the <laughs> idea of what I can actually improve to add value. Now get this, right? And he says, real conversation with my boss. Boss, how did you find so much time? Me, I stopped doing worthless bullshit. Boss, what did you stop doing? Me. If you don't already know, then obviously it's nothing you or anyone else cares about. Boss, okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> that's AI, right? In theory, exactly. you could, you know, that sort of. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So circling yeah. all the way back to the topic at hand, if you're coming away from all this, all these words and saying, all right, what does this all mean for, you know, infrastructure as a service? Thing one, don't be too granular in your definition. Certainly don't tie it to technologies. Don't tie it. Don't mm -hmm. tie it to vendors. Don't tie it to your current architecture and don't tie it to your current organization because all those things are going to need to change. Yeah. Thing two, if you want to think about how a service definition might work, go look at the people who do it for a living, cloud providers and managed yeah. service providers. See what you like and see what you don't like. And yeah. thing three, if you want to get super creative, go sick an AI on that and then and then have, have yourself a good laugh when it comes Challenge back with yourself. its answers. Yeah, yeah. The main takeaways that I would offer people is don't map your internal silo to your service definitions. Your service definition should be cross-silo. And also don't define your services or don't define your monitoring or SLAs as each part of it. You may have 30, 40 submetrics in there to measure your capability to deliver the master metric. Coming back to the internet access in the in the public cloud and charging you nine cents a gigabit or whatever it is, that is 
summarising up dozens of, of silos and services and capital expenditure and operational expenditure and maintenance and you know and you have to come down to some very very simple metric to define your SLA. And it's I, up, it's down, it's yeah. within parameters or it's outside of parameters. Maybe the next argument that we have is uh, around how do you monitor services? Because the biggest trick about this is once you mm. say, this is my service, the only way to get people to align with it is to make an SLA around it usually or to define some sort mm-hmm. of metric to measure it. So management can say, well, we said we were going to do this, but we didn't. And if it's 20 different people managing technology trying to come together, you know, if you're delivering an app and there's a database server and a middleware and a front end and a network and a storage array and a backups and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's all it's always the other guy's fault. That's right. So you need to actually come up <clears> with some <throat> unified and that's that's a whole art form in itself. So on that note, thanks very much for listening to Heavy Strategy Today. Uh hopefully some of our questions have been better than the answers. One thing I wanted to invite is anybody who's listening to this, if you think you want to get on a call and argue with Jonah and I, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you want to talk about strategy, maybe you want to talk about what you did, or maybe you're in a strategic situation, you want to come on anonymously and talk about what it is that you're having troubles formulating a strategy for. We'd love to talk to someone new and throw out a new way of doing this. Join, join us. We love we love each other, but we get tired of our voices and we love to have new ones. <laughs> I couldn't ever get tired of you, Jonah, surely not. Uh, so, <laughs> so head on over to packetpushes.net slash FU. Just get in touch and say we'd love to get you want to come on and just talk. Can be anonymous, no requirement. All we ask that you have a good microphone. Uh, but where can people find you, Jonah? You can find me in two places, but start with nemertes.com and please go look up our community and go ahead and join us. There are a bunch of folks from Heavy Strategy in our community and we we do all sorts of things. Greg is there. We have, we have you know, live events and share ideas and chat about the news of the day. So come on over to nemertes.com slash community and we'll see you there. As always, there's many more fine free technical podcasts over on the Packet Pushes Network. We've got many others, heavy networking, network break, a whole bunch of others where we talk about different parts about the IT industry, all published regularly and often. Uh, if you've got other feedback or if we said something wrong or if you want to tell us something good about what's happening to you, uh, packetpushes.net slash FU. You can also find us on Twitter, uh, follow us there. And thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks.